So now that you've made your wishes, you're ready to become magical boys. Just click your heels together three times, and you will transform and gain power to overcome all your demons. I, I don't have heels. Maybe my converse? Will that work? Yeah, I got some, like, boots. I went on the Tough Mudder a couple oh, uh, nice. weeks ago. How was yeah, that? Yeah, man. Uh, you know, I, sh- I should have done more training. There were some really hard guys there. I'll do, I'll do it next year. Well, it's, as it seems like we're about to get pretty significant boost to our physical ability, so I'm stoked. Oh, yeah. Let's yeah. go. All, all right. Uh, click, 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 clack, click. Oh! Oh! Yeah, I feel stronger and faster, but also a little constrained. I I was I was not expecting booty shorts. That was the first thing from my mind. Is this necessary? Like, can I just? I, mean, I just want to put on some athletic shorts or like some sweatpants or something. Yeah, like I is this a corset? I'm having some trouble getting, breathing. Yeah, the, this this weird with this weird tiger rat with wings is is giving us the no. Is giving us the shake I, of the head. I like the poofy tutu, but like. I don't think it accentuates. It's drawing a lot of attention to my gams, and I'm a, I'm, I'm pretty uh, uh, insecure about those. I'll, I'll be honest. My gaze has not gone uh, below yay nipple high. Uh, what are those nipple tassels connected by a chain? Yeah, I'm feeling a bit. Are you about uh, to go you know, see Marilyn and sexualized. I'm. Hang on. Let me look at this. Twelve. Maybe when you start doing flips and and shooting lasers out of your eyes, maybe maybe that'll that'll distract from it somewhat. I'll be honest. I'm I'm just. I can't. Um, I can't move very easily in this. Yeah. Uh, it's it's gonna be hard to like load my super musket. Yeah. Is there? Can you can you tell why my tailbone is connected by a thin strip of fabric? To what is this a brooch in the front? Hey, bro, do you think maybe we're supposed to die? Oh man, that 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 sounds like some negativity you're bringing to the gym, my man. Like like this armor is bad on purpose? No, 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 no. Well, hmm. I mean, the only other explanation is that it's revealing to appeal to a very narrow strip of people who would be watching us. No, no. Who wants to got, watch magical guys? I, I guess we're lambs for the slaughter. <laughs> Into the Nightmare Dome. Lambs for the Slaughter, episode one. Slaughterhouse one? They do have that that kind of naming convention for episodes where it's just full plot segments. Let me look up the... I'll, no, can you face your true feelings? Yeah, I am a magic... can't be right. What if, what if I am a magical girl, I think is like the first episode. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah, they're getting ahead of the light novel craze. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh, welcome to the Carton Cast. My name is Ben. My name is Zane. And this is the podcast where we review old cartoons, often in the midst of a transformation sequence, and see what we think of them as adults. And today we are talking about something really uh, uh, dissimilar. Yeah, every every podcast is fighting a battle that you know nothing about, and this one is trippy. So we're watching uh, uh, put put on put on your heels and dance, magical Madoka, <laughs> or whatever it's called. Yeah, Puella Magi Madoka Magica. That's the guy. Probably accented incorrectly, but I I don't know who's gonna who's gonna check. It's just, past, it's just known as Madoka Magica. That's Madoka Magica. In the past couple of decades, I have known so many magical 
girl anime out there, and we'll talk about the subgenre in a second, but mm. whenever I was tasked with naming any of them, Madoka Magica was all I had. Right. And you it's had the only one that's really on Front it. Street. No, <laughs> right. of course not. I didn't know what it was about. I I didn't consider witches. I didn't realize the heat death of the universe played a factor. <gasps> oh, witches. Yeah. Yeah, so the, the the show itself is uh the first in a booming subgenre of magical girl, which is like what if it was kind of fucked up? Yeah, it seems like the 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 almost like a gritty reboot of something that can't sustain a gritty reboot. You know? Yeah, so like that Powerpuff Girls gritty reboot that they imagined where like oh God. Blossom was fucking all these dudes, <laughs> that kind of thing. <laughs> I think that was a dream you had. I don't so, think it was. Uh, Madoka Magica came out in. Uh, I'd be very concerned if that was a dream that I had, Zane, for it's, it's a number a 12, of reasons. It's a twelve-episode run. Uh, <laughs> it was directed by Akiyuka Shinbo and Yukihiro Miyamoto, um, and uh, yeah, so it, it received a number of spin-offs and movies and uh, a manga based on the, the original anime series. It all kind of delves into this same concept of like. The magical girls are fighting witches. If you get too depressed, you become a witch. There's always more, like, creepy ontology to uncover one layer down. Yeah. Um, let me let me, let me me set the stage by discussing briefly the magical girl subgenre. We've dealt with Sailor Moon, and that's all it was for a long time. Well, it's not all it was. I think it actually, the magical girl subgenre had its start in the 60s, but it, it didn't it didn't really fully evolve into its current incarnation <laughs> until Sailor Moon, which was early 90s. Uh, there's a paragraph here from the Wikipedia that I think is relevant. Mm-hmm. So during the pre-writing planning phase... Iwakami asked Urobuchi to make the storyline quote-unquote heavy, and Shinbo specified it should contain copious amounts of blood and violence, which were elements that were unusual in the magical girl genre. Um, Urobuchi said he had no trouble with these requirements, referencing his past reputation as a writer of very dark and somber stories, the extent of which Shinbo had not known. That's so... that's so <laughs> damning. That, that's, such a, that's such a sinister sentence. There's also one later that says, the story is serious, but it's not inappropriate for children. There's nothing sexually explicit in it. There's that's death, the line. but it's not gratuitous. That's, that's the line in Japan. That's the line, and it's not true. And yet, well, sexually implicit, I'd say. But, and yet, the main draw of a magical girl anime, this is the brony phenomenon. Yes, it's externally peddled mm-hmm. to young girls, but... The, the, the fandom has shifted over time, where a bunch sure. of sweaty otakus are now kind of in the pipeline of consumption for this stuff. Yeah. But the magical girl subgenre, as it, as it, as it is supposed to be, yeah. uses a, a few central themes to communicate its messaging. So, um, femininity and youth. Uh, the the younger and cuter and more kawaii desu you are, the more magical girl you're going to get out of the property. Uh-huh. There's, there's also romance elements and the um, cannot be overstated transformation sequence that is kind of inseparable from the subgenre at this point. Mm-hmm. Like yeah, I, it's I expected. Yeah, I, I don't know how you if do you this don't without have a sailor. It, you're room. saying something. Exactly. Um, one thing that I was thinking about with this is uh, this is kind of an interesting take on uh, uh, something that we often see in spy fiction, which is the femme fatale. 
This is uh-huh. a weaponization of femininity to um, as kind of female empowerment, albeit in a very, very different way. Yeah, the the youth aspect of it is um, generally not as explored, right? So for a long time, at least in Western media, the appeal was always to boys, and adult entertainment was geared toward men or women, and girls were kind of left out of it. And so this made a big splash. And so the idea of like, what does a show that emphasizes young women's femininity uh, uh, in an empowering way and in an engaging plot line, you know, what directions can that take? And this was sort of the like logical extent of one path of that. Yeah. And, and, you know, that's, that's not, um, this isn't unheard of. This isn't a calcified genre, Uh, especially when we talk about Western markets. There have been a number of instances of the magical girl genre in Western markets. I'm thinking particularly She-Ra, the, the, the remake, the Noel Stevenson remake. Yep. Um, Powerpuff Girls, Steven Universe, these all have elements of magical girl and, you know, the exuberance of youth, the incorruptibility of youth, which feeds into this particular iteration very strongly, the kind of purity test yeah. uh, that, that denotes a magical girl. But what I think I found was that when we're not dealing with things out of Japan, it is kind of calcified. Like, it, specifically anime that are doing Magical Girl have not really moved past this very far. It's it's hard because you need a precise artistic vision to do this in a new way and do it well enough that it breaks through the noise. Um, and, yeah. and so, like, this... They, they, they wanted to tell, like, a good story first and foremost. And... I think the having the latitude to do that and having some creative freedom really helps with that. Whereas in America, like it's it's really hard, especially at a big company that will get your product in front of a lot of people, to do it uh, in a way that's not safe. And you know, Steven Universe and 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 Shira, these are not like huge blockbuster franchises. These are kind of indie insiders from adventure time creating their own shows they do Mm -hmm. have that creative freedom i think in japan the notion of this is something that often happens with fandoms is the more baked in fan base you have the tighter you are constrained to deliver to them specifically yeah and the the harder the, the better your product has to be if you are going to diverge significantly from the canon of what is expected so the the, the example that i come back to is evangelion for the mech genre mm. which it which had a very similar turn of hey we're going to keep adding new ontological wrinkles and it's going to keep getting darker and more upsetting because you know, this is taking something that is established as a genre and mm-hmm. already has a bunch of baked in appeal, and we are going to try and make it art. Uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. I I could probably give a similar argument for something like Gurren Lagann. Mm-hmm. And the specific uh, aspect of making Magical Girl dark, um, this runs into an issue of. How do you sell it then? So at the time, they wanted to not—they wanted to emphasize the the girly nature of it, the magical girl. They didn't want people to really cotton on to how dark it was going to be. The, the The ending sequence for the first two episodes is different from it afterward because in the third episode, somebody dies, and that's not supposed to happen in this <laughs> kind of show. 
Yeah, I, I did see a little bit of the production on this. Can you can you bring me up to speed on the on the full nature of it? Um, that's that's the main thing. Just like you know, they they this sort of thing where you are subverting a genre in a serious way, you have to decide when to deliver your punches. You have to know what not to tell people. Um, I mean, it's telling that they felt like they needed to hide the fact that this wasn't another magical girl anime. Yeah. Hitchcock did this a bunch where he didn't want, you know, he's very tight lipped about things. Avengers Endgame, people might not remember, like, the fact that it, the whole movie is a time heist, nobody knew going into it. <laughs> yeah, I forgot um, about that. I, but the the wrinkle is, and it, get, and it gets a pass because you have Ant Man saying time heist. Right. <laughs> the The trick is, how do you get people who would already be interested in Magical Girl also interested in this dark uh, uh, kind of heavy metaphorical thing i'm thinking of the the video game doki doki literature club sure where i don't have familiarity but i know it by uh by reputation yeah, it's, it's it's a visual novel and you're supposed to play it and it's pretty standard and then as you play it more and more it gets exceedingly like oh the characters have come to life and they're hacking your computer kind of thing okay and like you can't play that as a connoisseur of visual novels because you're not there for it to be messed up but if you know it's messed up going into it then you can't really engage with it on the normal level in in the way that like it's kind of just designed for youtube streamers yeah yeah there there is kind of an amnesia dark descent that you can't tell the joke twice kind of feeling to it and Um, i think the idea here was yes people will watch it initially but very soon people will be recommending it with just like try and go in blind enjoy it how you will it's darker than you think and it's it's tricky for me where i came to this having watched a a a magical girl anime that was dark that was inspired by this yuki yuna is a hero (laughs) and in that show they did a lot of the same, you know, okay, we're going to increasingly complicate our universe. We're going to have dark things happen. Oh, no, wait, it's darker than you think. And so when I came to this, I kept on oscillating back and forth between like, oh, is that all that there is? And, oh, that's way more than I think there should be. <laughs> it kind of just, I don't know. I, I I went back and forth on a lot of this show. I think I, I take them at their word of they were trying to finesse the audience into believing it was just another magical girl before they could pull the rug out from under us sure i i I think that that intent came through i think that it was successful i don't know how enjoyable i find that i'm not the target audience We, we should i should just explain this i watched an episode or two i read the plot synopsis so most of what i got was standard magical girl anime with a curious number of words that sound like die and kill um, right. So, so you know, we're we're kind of in Teen Titans territory a little bit with the tonal whiplash there, but it's nothing that was super unfamiliar. What yeah. is difficult for me to imagine is how the first two episodes work on a person, and then the third and fourth episodes also work on that person. Like, I, I it, do not know what the Venn diagram looks like here. It was pretty hugely influential, so it must have worked on a good number of people. Yeah, uh, for me, I liked the intro arc, the first few episodes, and then the I next... have some artistic issues with them. But go on, episodes four to seven, I really fell off, 
And then after that, I was way on a high all the way to the end. Really? Okay. Full disclosure, I watched the first, like, one and a half episodes and felt fairly like I was good. <laughs> I, I feel like maybe you should have watched more, but but we'll we'll do what we can. <laughs> I, I read the plot synopsis. Um, yeah, I get the general vibe of it, uh, and I don't mind coming to it with like half of the required knowledge. You can help me fill in the blanks. Yeah, can so I- I, I'll, I'll be happy to fill in on various plot things, but I think reading the plot synopsis and seeing like where it goes, you do get a sense of like what they're trying to do the specific artfulness of it i think does a lot um and the production values are are quite high this is by uh shaft studio and um he's a miracle like it 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 does appear to be a miracle it this is a very artistic and beautiful and well oh that's good sounding he's a miracle i always think it's shaft (laughs) shaft is a is a bad motherfucker <laughs> Just put that in. <laughs> but yes, the uh, very high production values. Even if you were not totally in on the plot of it, uh, the spectacle alone. The spectacle is is something to mention. We should we should probably describe the Moe aesthetic before we go too much further because this was a huge stumbling block for me. Interesting. So I'm just sort of inured to it by now. Tell me about your experience with these pretty ladies. Okay, so. My main experience with magical girl genre is Sailor Moon, who um, they look like teens. Yeah, that was that was how they made anime in the 90s. People right. looked like teens or adults. And now they all look like children and maybe old children. That, that's OK. So the, the, the moe mother looks like she's 17. <laughs> that is so hard for me. The, <laughs> the moe aesthetic to vastly oversimplify is one wherein facial features are softened to such a degree that the characters look like dolls more than anything else. Yeah, like these these are built to be figurines on your wall. To, to the degree that, like... On your YouTube channel shelf. Yeah, the, these... The, I mean, like, these are designed to be body pillows, more or less. Mm. Um, there are a couple of interesting artistic bents with the character models specifically. I particularly like the way they did the eyes. It's, it looks like this kind of half-vacant vacant stare crayon drawing uh, thing. Like, I, I don't sure. exactly know the, the 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 purpose of that. I don't know if it's beyond just moe aesthetic in general or if it's trying to get back into that um, femininity and youth, uh, purity kind of going away with the ravages of time kind of I, I have no idea what they're going for there i just kind of i think it, it. i think i th- i think it's both yeah the rest of the time i could not get over the fact that they look like dolls they look like yeah. dolls the characters look like dolls dolls who are constantly shooting each other it's it's i didn't get too much of the shooting i did get that kind of tense escape sequence in the first episode and that was very alarming but you know what yeah. it you know what it was? Is it, it's a tonal mismatch for me. Let's think back to Akira. Sure. Which I think it's not an unreasonable comparison to make that the first episode we fell into the negaverse, uh, you know, berserk eclipse moment, like uh, we the, the other dimension of it all. Like it all comes through pretty pretty similarly to how Akira would do its hallucination sequences. Sure. The difference 
is what do the characters in Akira look like? They, if anything, they look very homely. You know, the the yeah. the, the girl Kaori, um, the, the the only girl who kind of gets a name. <laughs> That's not exactly true, but but she's she's a schoolgirl, and she does not look particularly cute or pretty or sexual or anything. She just kind of looks homely, right? And that fits right, and that the other world that like like we're in normal land and we fell into somewhere else that that really sells it for me with magical girl if we're starting in moe i it in some ways it doesn't really matter where we fall because i'm still kind of in moe land this is another um facet of the magical girl genre which is you don't typically get like fully three-dimensional characters what you get is archetypes like oh this is the bratty one this is the shy one and In in a lot of shows, that's kind the of where it begins. The codifiers it, for the quote unquote cool girl are nigh incomprehensible to me, man. <laughs> it's not for you. <laughs> no, um, it is not. But yeah, and, and they can develop a little bit. Here, it's not so much like, yes, on first glance, it's like, oh, this one's emotionally distant. This one is really eager to please. But rather than, hey, these are basic archetypes that we've decided to use and they all have different colored hair. Uh, it's these are differing trauma responses to becoming drafted child soldiers. Ooh, I like that. I like that. I like that notion of it. Like, I mean, I get because that's right there in the first episode is like the the question, do you want to become a magical girl is not one that's immediately answered, which is kind of the norm for the genre. Right. You're just a, you, you start episode one. You're like, OK, magical creatures going to show up, offer me power. I take it. Episode two, we can start, you know, fighting mooks. <laughs> There's two ways in which a person is offered power by an otherworldly creature. It's either a vampiric, it's either a vampiric rite, or it's a magical girl show, <laughs> <laughs> and they're treated and, very different morally. So, and the 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 um, cute cutesy little thing here Ooh, is a, yeah, is an alien named Cube. And it turns out later this uh, this is short for incubator because here's here's the ontology that kind oh of boy. brought me back into this show. All right. So, Cube is a member of a, an alien species which does not feel emotion, and they are fighting against the entropy of the universe. In order to do this, they need to generate energy that is not coming from physical sources. What they need to do is tap into emotions, and it's specifically the emotion of hope turning to despair. This is associated with girls turning into womanhood um, as their, you know, uh, you know, beauty and splendor and charm all becomes, you know, oh, they're vicious hags. This is classic, you know, uh, uh, Grimm's fairy tale shit. Yeah. And and that releases a ton of energy. And so what they are doing is creating a problem whereby magical girls become witches, recruiting new magical girls to fight the witches so that it doesn't become a problem. Eventually, they get blackpilled and become witches. This releases enough energy to stop entropy. Yeah, th- that's you know what? I can't help but hear that explanation and think fondly upon how simple Sailor Moon was because it was essentially the same thing. But right. it was just this 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 bad this bad queen, this queen with bad juju is uh sending her her soldiers to torture women because it gives us power. The the nature of that power isn't explained, the need for power isn't explained. Yeah. I assume it eventually and is, but but right this, off the this box, is a classic, it's yeah. so simple 
and comparatively, this feels this this feels like retconning. Like that explanation feels like they're trying to retcon the magical girl anime to be serious. This is the modern way of creating villains which is it's not enough to be evil you either need them to be sympathetic or you need them to be unknowable so instead of an evil queen what we have is a force of the universe how much Um, do you abandon the strictures of the moe genre or the, the the magical girl genre before it's just no longer a magical girl anime that's why it's so effective because they manage to, they they do manage to toe that line for the most part. The problem is it is inconsistent, and what I mean by that is there are five magical girl characters in this show, such as they only are. only two of them I feel really nail this, and it makes the other ones really pale in comparison. Let, let's let's chat about the the girls and such. Sure. So we we have uh, Madoka. Yes, and her trauma response is that she is wishy-washy. Um, so Kubei, she's a people pleaser. Kubei is re- like it's it's apparent early on that this guy means some trouble. He's constantly pushing the idea that they become magical girls uh, uh, as the solution to their problems, like without revealing all the information. And the, the deal <laughs> that he offers is you get to make a wish, any wish you want, and then you become conscripted to become a magical girl uh and what he doesn't tell you is you know the the the, the lifespan on a magical girl is measured in months <laughs> and madoka loves the idea of becoming a magical girl but she's not like she doesn't have a strong enough belief to like have a wish and so for most of the series we're kind of strung along like what's she, what's she gonna end up doing this is just because my i i view things out of a dark soul frame which is yeah. not, you know, not the best way to, to view anything. Um, but QB, the, the hyper QB, he just, um, he immediately struck me as a King Seeker friend of, of sorts. Where he's yeah. like, it's something about his Danganronpa face. He's got a bad case of Danganronpa <laughs> face where he's like, like staring deep within the recesses of your soul. Like, his eyes are a mirror which no light can escape. The um, fact that he never opens his mouth and then he's just constantly in a grin and his tail kind of forms a question mark. He's, um, this is not, this is not, uh, absent from the magical girl anime. It, it, it the genre. It's, um, it's, it's required almost that you have a, a cute little companion, um, in the, oh, yeah. like, like Salem, the cat from Sailor Moon. That weird Swayzo. <laughs> yep, Swayzo for more different car- uh, Sailor Moon. Uh, the weird floaty bear from Cardcaptor Sakura. This always yeah. happens, but I don't know. Wh- maybe it's the fact that he doesn't open his mouth. Maybe it's his vacant thousand yard. I've seen too much stare. I think uh-huh. it's just his ca- he's got a bad case of dang and rompa face. Where yeah, I immediately was like, he's selling me snake oil. <laughs> <laughs> this guy is <laughs> this not guy trustworthy. Is not to be trust. <laughs> yeah, yeah, and we 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 that does get justified uh, in terms of the Dark Souls nature. I actually thought of Marika as the chosen undead because there is a prophecy, but it's not for a person in particular, and that's mm-hmm. that's her. Uh, it pays off in a nice way toward the end. Yeah, it, the the way you're talking about it makes me feel like the overarching plot is something I'd be into. And I, I guess I've just never clashed so strongly with an aesthetic to where I couldn't feel like I could enjoy most anything else about it. Yeah, because this is a this is not a ma- this is not a Moe thing. This is a war story, and that 
is a clash that you have to get over because yeah. it's not usually presented in this way. Um, but yeah, so that, that's that's Monica. Um, she mm-hmm. has a lot of interesting plot stuff happen to her. At the end of the day, she's just like a good girl doing her best. She's, um, it's also like uh, not um, incidental that she's a little bit shorter and a little bit like doughier looking. I don't mean fat. I mean, looks like a, a, a big wad of dough. She she's the pink one. You're supposed to love her no matter what. You're why. supposed to love this one. This one's supposed to exude most innocence if we're yeah. using magical girl terminology, which means that she is uniquely positioned to be the most of it and yeah. overcome the witch nature that comes with becoming a woman, becoming disillusioned with the world around you or whatever the the, mm-hmm. the thrust of this show is. Yeah, and the disillusionment is really summed up by um, her friend Sayaka. So you know they they both get uh, kind of inducted at the same time. That's but Sayaka so be- cool. I actually love that. Yeah, just we, like you we and don't your have a singular point. We don't have a <laughs> singular point of reference character. We have someone for her to talk to who is not King Seeker Frampt. <laughs> like, yeah, it's, yeah, it's very important. We spend a lot of time with Sayaka. She kills a couple of dirtbags on a bus. Um, <laughs> okay. <laughs> Yeah. So what what's what her deal is, she also really wants to become a magical girl, but she does have a wish in mind and it is to uh heal the the boy she loves who like has he's crippled, he he'll never play the violin again. And so she she wishes for it and a number of like really hard things happen to her. And this is that um episodes 4 to 7 thing. Isn't where this the one where focusing- somebody else falls for her? She, yeah, he falls her friend, for someone else. Yeah, her friend uh, acts on it first because she's too busy being a magical girl to to actually live her life. Mm. Uh, plus, her mentor dies. Plus, some other you know she loses a fight against another magical girl, and so th- this disillusionment and this like, what is this all for? She becomes a, a witch, right? She she becomes in despair. Oh, Sayaka does. Yeah. Oh, that's so, great. And this is episodes four through seven. And I just, it it all really focuses on her, and I just did not find her as interesting. I like that because, Madoka has someone it's just, else. It's just the world shitting on her for the, four episodes. I mean, you need it for the contrast, certainly. Yeah. You you need it to show us that um, the, the, the temptation to become a, a witch isn't just an abstract notion. Like, we, we need yeah. somebody real, you know, on the Moe spectrum. We need someone like... <laughs> that we know something about and have some familiarity and enjoyment of to do that heel face turn in order for the amount of uh, pressure on Madoka to also go that way to feel. Yes, we the, have to you divide and conquer. We got to isolate her, break her spirit. And well, then... I mean, that's not what I meant. But <laughs> that's OK. <laughs> um, but yeah, Sayak is fine. She uh, it, it, it is a necessary part of the story. Um but uh, you know, so there, there, there are plot things that happen to Monica that I feel hit harder. So, like when you find out, oh, you guys are being groomed to become witches—that's the actual purpose. All this fighting on the ground is kind of fluff. That's a hard-hitting, you of know, course. dark reveal where I go into the show and I'm expecting something, you know, dark to happen, and that's it. For 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 Sayaka, the dark thing is like, oh, the soul gem you're carrying around is actually you, and the body that you're used to being yours is just a corpse, and you're you're controlling it. 
And I'm like, huh, that doesn't sound bad to me. That that kind of that kind of rocks. <laughs> What's that tweet about um about the fact that we're um we are just our brains and we're piloting meat mechs with skeleton armor? Yeah, yeah. And that's that's great. <laughs> yeah. More of that, please. <laughs> there was a line in the Dresden files that always kind of st- struck me. Uh someone is talking to like an angelic being and um and and I think Dresden says something like, what happens to my body if I don't have a soul? And and the angel's like, you have it backwards. You are a soul. You have a body. <laughs> right. Which is great. Like, that that notion of, like, the, the form that you're familiar with isn't your actual self. I don't know how much it says about, like, I guess you could say something about, like, the, the, um, the, the impermanent nature of your identity as you grow. Like, I, I, I think that that's... That's not a, like, that's a theme. Everything that you're saying is pretty close to the mark in terms of theming. It's it's yeah. just the aesthetic that is hurting. That's that's all I, I could do. Like it's I I was guess I guess I'm just very surprised that Sailor Moon didn't bother me in the same way. Yeah. Like the Moe aesthetic is is more of a speed bump than I felt capable of handling. And like I could have got gotten past it to watch more. But I do yeah feel a resistance to trying to like it's it's very unpleasant like if you've never seen a moe go look at one it's incredibly unpleasant it it worked for me i got i was able to get over it one i don't think i have a strong and natural aversion but also like the whole atmosphere of this is very dreamlike like this is very like place japan um like it's not it doesn't have a lot of character yeah, and everything's so more candy It's already colored. kind of dreamy. Let, let's talk about the let's talk about the um, environs for a moment. Sure, because I think this is important. Uh, when we are talking about a cyberpunk, twenty minutes into the future, <laughs> uh, I don't think we are this no, time. <laughs> I, I know that Zane. You, this is this is what we call the setup. Um, so when when we're dealing with a cyberpunk. We have a combination of low life and high tech and things in Akira, like the hallucination sequence, were very otherworldly, but it was grounded by normal life. This sure. kind of goes the opposite approach is, is we're not differentiating dreams from reality. We're kind of yeah. always in dreams. Like it's yeah. and the Moe aesthetic does support that. I don't know if I like it very much, but like when we're it's um, it's it's Tony Stark's Jarvis. <laughs> apartment you know where like you you hit a you hit a button and suddenly you're looking in looking at the grand canyon instead of your wallpaper uh-huh like everything is very futuristic kind of jetsons like uh mm-hmm. up to and including the classrooms which boy this feels like this this feels like a political cartoon about a private institution of sorts oh you mean like how the teacher is mostly teaching about like how she's very upset about being dumped <laughs> oh i zane you better believe that i was hyper focusing on the fact that all of the classrooms have transparent walls again it's it's that it's is, simple that it like first it's, of all it's a dream it's a dream like oh i had to go to the bathroom but the only toilet was in the middle of the elevator and there had transparent walls like this this is not that's horrifying. a barrier to enjoyment here <laughs> that's horrifying first of all this is the but point. secondarily you can also like try to loop that back into themes of identity and like when you're in this age group you feel like everyone's scrutinizing you it works it just mm-hmm. always feels like a dream like i never really felt like 
we were I, I, I didn't know where to firmly plant my feet because it wasn't going to be in the Moe aesthetic and it certainly well, wasn't going to be in Magical Girl Land. It serves as a contrast to these nightmare realms that we're sent into. So the, the those two characters, uh, Madoka and Sayaka, we we follow them, they're our point of view, as they get exposed to this nightmare realm, uh, these labyrinths that the witches create as part of their, like, person. It's like a stand area, like... You just fill a room with your essence, and yeah. now it's like your deepest, darkest Psychonauts dream. It must be the work of an enemy witch. Yeah, it's pretty... Like, I, like I, oh, this this is just a world full of cakes, and we're Hansel and Gretling it, and there's clowns and stuff. Like, Yeah, no, it, it does feel like a nightmare that a Moe child would have. It, it uh, Yeah. Um, for whatever reason, uh, the, the monster designs in One Punch Man came to mind, where, like, they're haunting... But they're also very silly. Like the deep, <laughs> right. the deep sea king is wearing speedos and has clamshells on his nipples. Like he looks like a SpongeBob villain. <laughs> I have chosen this form because I know that it will be more comforting to you. <laughs> <laughs> like I, I, the, the villains in the first half, like the 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 minions that were trying to get um, QB, uh and the uh, and Madoka were uh, like these these cream puffs with doll legs. It like very mm-hmm. like. Not quite nightmare, not quite innocent. Like, yeah, and, other. and the animation, yeah, the animation goes to stuff like it's not Moe, it's not mech, it's not no. like an anime thing. It's like it's like a living collage. If there's anything that I can say about firmly planting our feet in the Moe aesthetic, is that um, it's very clear when it's not doing Moe because mm-hmm. the animation styles shift immediately. You know, in, in yeah. Mob Psycho. What, say what you will about the animation style, but it's very clear when they're ratcheting it up to 11 and trying to make you feel something other than the normal high schooler comedy experience that you normally get. When you are yeah. trying to feel dread, they give you things to feel dread of. Uh, and they, mm-hmm. they they deliver something distinctly non-Moe. So it, it does... I think it's just my bias is is preventing me from fully immersing myself. I I think it. most people don't have this struggle, and I do think that the aesthetics were very intentionally chosen. Like uh, when when Sayaka is on her descent into nihilism, uh, she's fighting a witch, and the entire scene is completely silhouetted. We just see you know everything's in black except that you can see her bleeding because she does not care about getting hurt anymore. That like, is actually incredible. That's how they're emphasizing things. Um, but if you are, if you if you have uh, moe phobia or whatever your problem is, that that then sounds you're like my problem. Get that far. Well, <laughs> it, it, everything you've been telling me so far seems like it would be in line with my ideals, and like the themes it, would speak to me. Um, let me see if I can figure out where the problem is because I also had a problem, and I was trying to to uh, elucidate it. Yeah. Presumably, you have. Um, media that you don't want to watch just because it's 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 poison for your eyes not because it has a bad message you you may even recognize that it has a good message i know that ethan like like recoils at how steven universe looks even though everything that he's heard about it is great like it's it's right. presumably you have those like everyone's got their cilantro right everyone's got their sure. their weaknesses that they can't push past when I was talking to Christy about this, she reminded me of a time when we went to go see the musical Billy Elliot. 
Okay. And I don't know wh- how much you know about this musical, but basically, we're in I don't know Britain, Ireland. There's a same there's, thing. Man. There's like a there's like a strike, and uh, there's a lot of poverty and a lot of hardship. And this young boy just wants to learn how to dance and become a great dancer. And she remembered me complaining at the end of it. <laughs> I really don't care about him. I'm I'm with his dad on this one. Yeah. Him dancing right now is not important. The strike is more important. Why isn't the play about that? <laughs> you would have had so many things to say about the main character in High School Musical. Um, but this, this show, I think, does a similar like thing. That, where, like, son. where, like, the concepts are really strong. The plot's great. The aesthetics... I like the aesthetics quite a bit. The problem is this scope. The focus. When we're on these, when we're on this grand conceptual metaphorical existence that ties into what it's like growing up as a young woman, I'm on board. When they start fighting each other because of some small scale petty like, oh, I don't like the way you're going about this. Oh, that grief seeds mine. Oh, I'm just mad and I need to take it out on someone. I, I don't care. <laughs> oh, man, that's so weird. Because that does because work we've on already Because es- we've already established that there are bigger stakes. Don't drag oh. me down. <laughs> I'm actually way into that, and I'll tell you why. Because this is a part of maturing is reckoning with those impulses, those jealous, petty impulses. So mm, it, it yeah. actually feeds back into the, the theming of this incredibly well. Like the notion that you can't get away from the pettiness. You can't be like an enlightened monk and be above worldly concerns in your in your in your quest for purity. No, to be a like true good magical girl, you have to immerse yourself in the chaos of everyday life, all the petty difficulties and rise above it. That like that works very well for me. It yeah. it is just the way they look. Like I <laughs> I, I am amazed by how like I agree with you. I hate that I have that I am having such a difficult time with it. And I, I will let it go for the sake of the rest of the podcast. But like, I have yet to hear you say a thing that I reject. Like I, it, and that's rare. Like I'm, mm-hmm. you, I usually have some thematic issues. I don't. You, you know what it was for me, Ben, mm. the wonderful one Oh one. I, oh. I, I recognize that this was a good game. There were a lot of cool, funny things happening visually it hurt my eyes so much to figure out what was going on and just to look at it that I I, I, I couldn't do it. You know what? I, I, I cannot gainsay you that. It looks <laughs> it looks very it's it's a like it's a very stylized presentation. I also recommend you don't look up Beautiful Joe or Metal Gear Revengeance or any other platinum games because it, it's a very singular vision. Um and, mm. and you know what? Um maybe it is it's not inherent to this property. It is It is the fact that the Moe aesthetic is so insidious in anime culture that I already had all these antibodies ready to go. You know? <laughs> yeah, for sure. Anyway, um, talk about other characters? Yeah, so there's a couple of other uh, uh, lesser magical girls. There's Mommy. Uh, she's the upper classman who sort of in- inducts them. She's the one who dies at the end of episode three. Clown... Clown demon just bites her head right off. Um, I, I couldn't stop. Every time I saw her name, I, was, I, I just I I kept hearing someone say uh, I kept hearing her say, and this is not a thing she said, but I couldn't help but hear you can call me mommy. Every yeah, do time. you think? Do you think maybe in this show about uh, 
girls becoming adults and the trauma and stress of that a character named mommy who is an upperclassman uh disappearing and uh brutally might be a metaphor that's pretty good i don't hate that like the, and that that is the also the mentor archetype and that that's a sure. thing in shonen manga all the time is your mentor teaches you just enough and then before they can really hand the reins over to the new generation it's cut short and you are now left to develop on your own perfectly great you you mentioned Gurren Lagann earlier. It does the same thing for, yeah. for that aesthetic. Um, Mommy Kamina? And, Mommina? And, <laughs> please, Ben. No? <laughs> Those styles are clashing, and I can't tell how I should feel. Okay. Um, but yeah, so she, so her, she's like... Also, I think you said I've something been, about getting bitten by a clown. Oh, yeah. Uh, uh, witches. Uh, there, there was some witch nonsense. Just go witches. check out. Think about witches. Go check out some clips on YouTube. It's been memed to death. Oh, I'm um, sure. So she is basically, she's been doing this for a, a little bit. She's a bit of a veteran here, and but she feels so lonely. And so this, like, needing approval of others is her trauma response. Um, okay. But she dies. We do get some flashbacks and some alternate universe of her. But, uh, yeah, fairly minor. Also minor is um, Kyoko, who wields a spear. She's, she's like the, like, cocksure, laughing aggressive one um she kind of intersects with sayaka kind of has like a frenemy thing but like honestly whenever she was on screen i just kind of glossed the 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 other thing and this is not particular to me poison uh it is a weakness of the moe genre is they all look damn near identical with a couple of like visual cues like she's got pink hair and ribbons okay that's modica she's a little bit shorter but like they they there's not enough distinguishing facial features to really get much out of that the hair's doing a lot but the hair does a lot of the heavy lifting there uh there, um, there the is other... that one other character the the, mm-hmm. the the plot bomb character yes as i understand so this, it this is homura um she appears throughout the series and she shows up and she's clearly very competent. She's the one doing the time heist. She's doing a time heist. She has this awesome like buckler shield that has a bunch of gears that she time shifts with. Um, yeah, the animation when they're fighting is excellent, by the way. Absolutely. Um, and she shows up. She's very mysterious. And all we see her do is save Madoka at the last minute when her only other alternative is to turn into a magical girl. And for whatever reason, she is desperately trying to prevent that. Uh, up to the point where, like, she shows up once and just shoots Kubei, and Kubei shows up a little bit later, and like that that hurts. Like, I have you have more no of these idea bodies, my, but like, it's you really have no idea how much that stings, Kay. <laughs> it's like verbatim that. <laughs> <laughs> oh man, um, that's so good. Yeah, I like her. Her and Monica form the emotional core. Anything that's not them uh, kind of fades to the background when I think about what's good about this show. Point of positivity, the notion that she was trying to save Madoka as like a way to save herself, like that's clear projection in my mind. That came through pretty yeah. organically. That, that came through very clearly in the beginning there. But like she can't show it because her her shield is to appear emotionless. Yeah, yeah, um, yeah, yeah. So, and uh, that that is a response that girls can have growing up, right? They don't want the attention, the cat calling, the 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 you know, the mean girls saying things about them. And so that's a 
you know, totally normal response that you see. It's probably um, very frustrating that she is like a god that stepped into their high school and just like everyone, er, everyone prays at the ground she walks on. Yeah, she she is. Um, so, so, so to to take it back from this specific example and just talk more about anime, yeah, anime um, shorthand. Girlies. She's oh. she's just kind of a cool girl and. Mary Sue-ish. Anime doesn't really know what that means. Anime doesn't really know how to, to articulate cool girl. It's just like, wow, she's so glamorous is usually how it uh-huh. goes. <laughs> like, she's just a little more mature and doesn't really talk to anyone. Like, um, more aloof than anything else. Um, it, it's refreshing to see somebody who sees the, like, petty squabbling for what it is. Well, it makes you want to root for her. And, like, that is kind of the big notion of... Why is why does she have such a huge beef with Kubei? Maybe, you know, this girl seems like she seems like a good egg. Maybe let's listen to what she has to say. The the hands down best episode of this show for me was we start and we see Homura getting introduced to the class, but it's the first time. It's the original Homura mm. who gets inducted into the Magical Girls by Madoka, and oh. her wish her wish on Monica as Monica dies to this like big beast Valpurgisnacht uh, that we'll cool. I guess talk about if you feel um, like you have to I guess uh, yeah I mean a little bit it's, okay. it's important um, basically her wish is I want to do it all again but this time I want to protect Monica not the other way around so that's the time heist nature of it is that they keep reliving on, the month right she keeps reliving it until she can get it right to protect her Protecting her in this case means preventing her from becoming a magical girl. Uh, be- and that's this just, is that's just, the... that's just Groundhog's Day, the magical girl version. Tom Hanks but, but what, puts on his tutu. But what you like about this is the the undead, the, the chosen undead nature of it, the prophecy. Bill Murray, of it. what am I thinking? Throughout the series, Kubei tells Madoka, "You are going to be the strongest of all of them," and we're like, "This is just a normal girl." Why? Why? Oh, she's being she's being enlisted to become a magical warrior. It's because it's my no. favorite Zane. It's not that. It's because she's the focal point. She has the energy not just of her own magical girlness, but of every previous one because she's the focal point of all those resets. Oh, I hate that. No, I don't like it's it. great. <laughs> it's great. So when she becomes a wish, that will generate enough energy to end entropy forever. I guess you do need some particular why should we care about this particular phenomenon within the magical girl canon i guess that's a decent enough one it it sealed up nicely a list of growing ontological problems that like i couldn't ignore until they resolved there's you know it it, 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 you know what it allowed it to do it allowed the exposition to tie in with the metaphor so that things no longer needed to make sense they just needed to be emotionally true you know, it the way you're talking about it, the way you're describing the plot, it it does remind me a lot of Steins Gate, and and not in like the magical girl way at all, but like in the I have to correct the timeline, and it's doing so screws up a bunch of other stuff, and that is um that's candy to me. That's a playground for me to play in. I love that. And this it, is really telling because I couldn't get more than a couple episodes through Steins Gate. And you know what, Zane? I don't <laughs> think that I could now either. 
Like, it, <laughs> I recognize a lot of shortcomings about that that I didn't used to, or at least it was fresher to me. This may just be me turning into a witch. I've become too mm-hmm. disillusioned with the world. I've seen too much anime, and now everything looks like a Steins Gate. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, it can do that. It's kind of like how uh, they, all, all time travel is back to the future. Because yeah. they, they just kind of nailed it. Uh, you, you've mentioned this a few times. The trauma response. I was kind of hoping you could expound upon that a little bit and tie it into the nature of a magical girl anime. So on the one hand, you have this uh, child soldierization where they're being inducted. Because if you think of what a magical girl is, that that is, despite the bells and literal bells and whistles, that is what it is. Yeah. Um, and it's true for a lot of shonen stuff. It's true for mech. Um, it's it's this automatically traumatic experience. What it's doing is tying that genre convention into this metaphor of girls becoming women and what that means in terms of society what that means historically the the idea of witchcraft as like you get old and you become corrupt and ugly um, right kind of thing like like it ties it together but the common theme is like hey we don't we don't have a good representation of what it's actually like to be a young girl and how the difficulties in that the infighting the being used the being objectified the the deciding what kind of woman to be like it's they they found a way to talk about it without talking about it while also talking about it let me let me let me tie it to something a little bit more accessible for our audience inside out now Mm. Disney has been doing emotional feel-feel movies for I don't know how long. Pixar then eventually as well. We'll, we'll. we'll discount the differences right now. But Inside Out is not a new story, so to speak. Like mm-hmm. it, you know, it's a it's a it's a it's a tale of a girl growing up. Uh, fantastic elements abound. It's this particular voice and subtlety discussing that topic that really gives inside out its power and then also mm-hmm. pixar is a beautiful pixar you know th- that's just separate um you know what it's like it yeah it, it it feels like inside out because this isn't doing new things necessarily right it's just talking about the th- the it's talking about the magical girl transformation in a new way it's talking about the grow the story of growing up in a more textured way than we're used to. And that's very Mm -hmm. powerful because I think that you've felt a lot of these themes of growing up and having to accept dark truths and having trauma responses when those truths are revealed to you. But anime hasn't talked to you about it like you're an adult before. And I think that this (laughs) is the first time that it's kind of doing that. Am am I touching something real there? Well, not, not necessarily for me, but just like it's... Though the way that it's able to deftly present these struggles um, on an emotional level, right? The nightmares, the labyrinths, the witches, the all, all that stuff. It doesn't cleanly connect to particular struggles with growing up, but it like all the pieces are there and they do evoke like this to me is a really good book club anime. You watch an episode with some friends and you talk about it. A Doki Doki book club. You might call it like a literature club of sorts, mm-hmm. but for anime. 
<laughs> Stop me if I'm going too fast for you. <laughs> like, imagine if you watched something and talked about it. But do, do you know what I? What do you understand what I mean when I say like it's just talking to you like an adult in this in a way that it, it like the story isn't really that new. Like, it, like yeah. substantively, Sailor eight, Moon eight, eight. had Queen Barrel <laughs> doing some stuff to get bad feelings out of young women like the 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 nuts and bolts right. are pretty similar but right. what if queen beryl was doing so as a way to stop a catastrophe and the it's manner with which now. she is doing it is revealing weaknesses of character that everyone has to overcome as that you, you, the, like there's there would be room to tell this story in a sailor moon that yeah it's just giving you yeah, more the, texture that's a good point to a story that's already been there it's just bringing things to the surface which are not obvious and doing so through a, a, a shock value that it manages to earn through its aesthetic uh, capabilities. Yeah, we shouldn't undersell that either. Like the fact that it looks distinctly high production for a magical girl anime, um, yeah. which, you know, I kind of use it as a derogatory term. Magical girl anime do not generally look that good. Yeah. And, and Moe it's, aside, uh... this does look really good. Yeah, because I think a lot of, you know, these kind of discussions in a show, and the Moe especially, tends to be, you know, fairly low budget because all you need is those cutesy character models. It's, it's not all you like, need. It's, it's required that that's all you have. <laughs> right, right. We got to crank out 50 of these things. <laughs> it does remind me of Evangelion as well in like the finale where, like, in the original Evangelion finale, it was all, like, mental, metaphorical thing because they ran out of budget. Yeah. And when they went and redid it later, it was all, like, super evocative, uh, art, you know, yeah, uh, probably, very technically impressive stuff. Deep in the psycho planes, I'm guessing. And they were doing it the whole time here, right? Yeah. So, like, the, the, the emphasis on quality shows the, the both doing it well, but also doing it different. Um, the music sure. uh, really drawing you into the emotional state of things. I think it was very well crafted, but it it does, you know, it does make me wonder. Like, is this for young girls? Oh, absolutely. to enjoy? I don't. It's it's for the new generation of young girls to enjoy. It's the Steven Universe of magical girl anime. I see. In in like. Not really, but like, like, like we were saying at the top of the episode, the metric for success is different in Japan than here. Like here, you need sure. to be subversive to kind of hit that demographic. In Japan, you kind of need to sell to a market that's already there. I do think that they're still primarily focusing on selling to young girls, but now they realize that they have to have updated terminology, and that See, update almost... just didn't, and that update just didn't factor into the aesthetics. I can I can definitely see like a, a modern wave of girls being able to to interact with this and engage with it. You know, the kids today they watch the Five Nights with Freddy and they're like, "Oh, this is good," <laughs> and, and you know, like this isn't scary in the way that like me at that age would be like, "This is scary and I don't like it." Yeah, um, or me now, saying that. <laughs> or me in ten years. But. Um, it, when I was watching it, I wasn't thinking that this is necessarily for girls going through their adolescence. It feels much more like talking to young women after having gone through it and saying, like, I see you. Like like the kids who grew up with Sailor Moon. And like, I guess 
I guess uh, Steven Universe is a pretty good example. Yeah, ma- ma- maturing alongside them. Yeah, yeah. Well, well, not so much maturing alongside them as hitting people who like grew up on Nicktoons and being like, this is enough like a Nicktoon so that it's familiar to you, but we're going to give you an updated message that will make you feel like, that will give you more terminology to explain your youth. For sure. So, so I think that in that way, it's very similar to Steven Universe, which like the aesthetic of Steven Universe, it's definitely good. I wouldn't say yeah. that it's all that dissimilar from a Nicktoon on like a tonal color palette level. Right. You know, like it's you you can it it's it's not so many degrees removed that you can't create some some through line between the two. And and maybe in the same way in Japan, we we have Sailor Moon. Yes, the Moe aesthetic has kind of shifted from the standard magical girl one. But it's close enough that the people who watched Sailor Moon as a kid can see this now and have similar feelings that when they watch Sailor Moon, but now have updated vocabulary to discuss them. I, I don't sure. I don't think there's nothing there. I'm purposefully discounting the idol fan uh the idol <laughs> fandom brony community that stalks the under the underdark of Japan. Because <laughs> I, I don't I, know. I, not, not, not to discount them, but I just don't know how to grade that. <laughs> I appreciate you ignoring them as loudly as possible. <laughs> uh, the idea of like this medium, this this genre growing with you, I'm reminded of like old Superman comics, where like, okay, in the '60s, in, in the '40s, he's you know fighting the good fight and doing what's right, and then in the '60s, he's get he gets weird, and then like by the '90s and 2000s, he's still doing the the right thing, but he's so much more textured and well designed and like evocative of you know the the themes and like they're bringing the themes explicitly and not just saying like there's an immigrant who's fighting the fat cats and you know restoring justice uh and now they're like actually saying it it feels like the same sort of grow up that the genre did it's just that's been going on long enough where they can do it all in one and here it's just across the genre maybe maybe I, maybe maybe it's like the medium is growing up with the people who watched it in the 80s um mm-hmm. I'm actually reminded of the Super Mario Brothers movie. Like, clearly that's kind of for us as people who are adults now that enough time right. has passed since we were kids and watching Mario cartoons. Right, right. But yeah, there's, there's a lot of te- uh, the nostalgia wave of, uh, you know, media reinter- reinterpretation. It's, it's a very modern um, phenomenon. I wonder how much of it is trying to cash in on the nostalgia wave versus what this is, I think which is a reimagining of a beloved genre to uncover a new layer to it. Like, I, I don't know it, what the what the purpose in doing so is. Like, is that just a creative bent that the director had? Or were they trying to hit a specific person now that they've matured enough to want to go back to those stories and recontextualize them? I, I think it's the kind of thing that some artists are able to do where you can deconstruct your message, figure out what you want to say, and then cast off or reinterpret parts of the genre that don't fit with it. Okay. Like, it feels it feels very, like, objectively dissected and reconstructed to me. It does. It does. It, and it's weird that in that dissection and reconstruction that the Moe aesthetic survived. And I'm not trying to harp on it. I, like, I'm, I'm intellectually curious. Oh, no. <laughs> I'm intellectually curious why, why that particular aesthetic was 
the choice that they made because it, it didn't start out moe in the 80s when they were like developing all the magical girl stuff it didn't start that way that that's that's a more recent affect the the cuter they are the harder it is to watch them become jaded war criminals i think that's the point okay okay yeah, it, there, there's not nothing to that like i i <laughs> I recognize that the aesthetic is hugely popular amongst the right community. Like at this point, I'm not trying to just be cantankerous. I, I legitimately am curious as to why they put it, but like what you're saying makes sense. Hmm. Um. Yeah. So those are. Did you feel like you had to talk I... about clown demon Gernemnishnacht? Oh, Valpergisnacht. Yeah. Yeah, so this is a real uh, festival. It's kind of like anti-Halloween. It's a celebration of a Saint Valperga who uh, like fought off witchcraft. So like, there's a clear line here. Mm-hmm. Um, but also, I think it's just like your classic like Japanese uh, fascination with German culture and German words, and just like shoving in something good. It does seem like they have some uh, some some fascination there. Yeah, but uh, yeah, it, it clown is this particularly interesting choice for the um, the 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 anti spiral, the, the the big villain of the piece. It's not it's not necessarily clown, right? So like, there's different. Uh, oh, it the, takes the witches, different forms. The witches take different forms. Like um, it's one just of them like is whatever your like fear a, is. Like a big fly with you know scimitars. One one demon that I saw them fight. One witch that I saw them fight was just like. A big skirt with a bunch of arms coming out of it, oh, and that's they had to like. Great. Are you kidding? They me? had to run up a like a bunch of clotheslines just covered in skirts, and it's like, oh, it's very Freudian. Yeah, it, it's man. I the amount of the amount of uh, essays you could write about like the uh, the nature of the fashion industry for women pandering to the male gaze, like the mind reels, <laughs> incredible. Um, but another theme that they kind of uh, evoke in the back half is this balance, right? The the idea that, like, the greater and more pure your wish, the greater your despair when life f- fails to live up to it, and therefore we will always get enough witches to prolong this experiment. Um, and so, you know, Madoka, as this symbol of hope and trying to find the right path— uh, through it all and never losing that, you know, she's trying to escape this vicious cycle and find a way that does not have, you know, that has a blessing that does not have a curse bound to it. So, huh. th- yeah, they're, they're they're also trying to tie in a little bit of like the old fashioned alchemy, like occult stuff. Yeah, I, you know, I, I, I like the notion, the thematic notion that in order to inoculate yourself to great despair, you must suffer lesser despairs as you grow. Like that, that, Interesting, that yeah. being part of your development, you know, the, the notion of remaining pure is not rejecting, you know, uh, sadness and despair in all its forms, but rather being able to incorporate that into your development and overcoming it. And like, and, and the, that, that, hmm. that is why Sayaka's turn is so powerful is because Mm-hmm. Madoka can can view that sadness and get some sympathetic sadness and overcome that in order to inoculate herself to her own sadness in the future. Like I, I, there's a lot there that I that I don't. Yeah, hate. yeah. Well, not just inoculating, but just like how rare and how valuable it is to be able to maintain your purity, not in the like 
weird, you know, not in the weird fetishistic, not in the weird fetishistic kind of way. But like the the purity of spirits. Yeah. Yeah. The optimism, the the I'm not going to allow myself to be tarnished in this way by these traumas. I'm still going to, you know, fight for a better world. It is a, a, a tie into a lot of, you know male you know the shonen um magical boy kind of stuff yeah uh, i mean fighting against hopelessness is i guess a better way of putting fighting against hopelessness is a very modern fascination in media for the past decade or so uh justifiably so it's just like (laughs) it seems like yeah that is the time loop yeah the the ones that you're talking to clearly the time loop and um multiverse aspect of it i was thinking of this like how our media shows that we've we've really given up we're like in the 80s it's oh man the commies are on our shores and we need to fight them to save the future and then in the 90s Time for it's Arnold Schwarzenegger like, to kick ass and take names in the in the 90s it's like the aliens are invading and we need to you know get over ourselves to save the present and then like as time goes on like there's more and more time travel and multiverse and and loop stuff and it's like We've given up on this timeline. What? Wh- which mistakes, if we fixed, could do this? <laughs> or can, just... can I? Can I um, uh, broaden that notion? Uh, sure. I think that a lot of the last couple of decades, there has been kind of this underpinning of accepting that we kind of fucked up, or like recognizing <laughs> that the there were mistakes that were made, and it doesn't mean we're beyond redemption. I'm kind of reminded of uh, when we were talking about the Clone Wars. Uh, with uh, mm-hmm. Ulysses, how his read of the Clone Wars, of all of Star Wars, actually, was there was a moment where Anakin could have assumed a mantle of power that would allow balance to rule the universe and stop the chaos. <laughs> and, right. and, he, and he screwed it up, and now we just have to make the best with what we've got, and eventually they were able to succeed. Yeah. Uh, and then some time passed, and Luke drank some blue milk, and then I assume other Star Wars things happened. But the point is, I think that there is a um, there is a there is a current theme underlying a lot of these magical, fantastical shows of things aren't perfect, but that's not enough of a reason to stop. Like like it used to be kind of a a, a, a whitewashing, kind of um, painting over the mistakes of yesteryear. Um, yeah, and that would, be, that would be sort of your determination, young spirited lad. But I really love the notion that your shonen protagonist who wants to just do the most best gets hit with reality and has to come to terms with it, has to accept yeah. it into his worldview and then continue to be determined anyway. Yeah, it's it's a it is a modern fascination as well. Like, yes, mistakes will be made and have been made but you have to keep going anyway it's it's much more inspiring and it hits better to the modern audience yeah um because it's impossible to avoid the reality that things are kind of kind of crappy you know so it also so you need an uplifting message to envelop the notion that things are not good right now even though progress has been made that's not enough and that you are going to have to trundle through some sadness to get to the good it's kind of like in uh, every everything everywhere all at once where it's like the reason why you're the chosen one is because you, you of all the multiverses you are so average and you have given up on so many of your dreams that like you're not that 
the, your life history wasn't that far off from any of them, so you can access all of them more readily. Oh, just like a um, hugely empathic message. Yeah, like hey, like it, like the 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 chance is still there. The way it is in this one also is trying to be uplifting to girls going through difficult times and and feeling like they're making mistakes or that they don't fit in. Yeah. Because what Kyubei says to Madoka when he's revealing the nature of their, their alienness is like, we don't have emotions. We've gone to various alien species. We've spent so long looking for humanity. And you guys have a level of emotionality, especially young girls, that to our people, it would be considered a mental disorder. But you're, you're somehow able to live with each other. That is... And you know what? That ties right back into Magical Girl Anime 101 mm-hmm. of embracing this innocence and femininity, not as a weakness, but as a strength. As a strength, yeah. And that's awesome. Like, the, I, I, like I wish that I, at one point, was... I, I wish I was born as a little girl and went through a bad... <laughs> A bad bunch of anime <laughs> glorifying femininity in the wrong way and then getting to this one. I do think it's very similar to Inside Out being like, no, no, you kind of should be sad. It's important. Yeah, <laughs> like, it, it's OK, man. You can do that. If I could put it if I can put it back on our like past several decades retrospective yeah. in the 80s, the female hero was just a, a male hero who happened to be a woman. Yeah. And then. And then in the, the 90s and 2000s, it's a a woman who has power through femininity. And now with Madoka, it's like you have power through femininity and your villain is trying to harness that as an energy source. So now you also have to stop that. I kind of see it as you don't have power is is her sure. strength. Like the, like there isn't like there is this this notion of acceptance of your shortcomings that I think is underlining that. Well, yeah, because like the reason that she grew so powerful through this time loop nonsense is because her friend felt such a strong d- need to protect her because she was such a good friend. It's it's all back to empathy. Um, it's all back to empathy and being emotionally intelligent, being the greatest strength that you can you can harness. And you know what? And, yeah, that was true in Sailor Moon. If you're just looking at the plot, but it's the additional verbiage that we have in this that really lends it its power. It's a more mature conversation now. Mm-hmm. And the final episode of Madoka is a really good emotional payoff for that empathy and, like, how it impacted others. That's great. Um, it's not too yeah, schmaltzy. It's, it's uh, oh, <laughs> how did you like the Evangelion? <laughs> Where oh, they're all I clapping mean, at him. Well, that had a lot of erectile dysfunction metaphors in it, so I, I kind of got through on that alone. Yeah. <laughs> well. <laughs> Just Did you, um, did you uh, watch the Barbie movie? I didn't. I was kind of thinking the Barbie movie when we were talking about old properties and now we're looking at them with hindsight and like the verbiage is better. Um, I, yeah, I, I, I watched it. It had a lot. I might argue it had too much going on to be succinctly like summed up by a single um, like take. Yeah. Like I feel like they covered their their bases there by like including enough room for interpretation that everybody like that a broad section of their audience would be able to enjoy it and take what they want from it. Okay. But I I know it connects to Madoka. I have not figured out what the through line is. I mean, like, I think we're pretty on the money when we're talking about Madoka is not a new property. It's just a greater amount of 
intentional subtlety and dissection on an yeah. old property. And then, you know, you gave it a, yeah. we get a really good fresh coat of paint, except for the character models, uh, because all the, the fight scenes look amazing. They're super yeah. dynamic and colorful. And, uh, and like Mob Psycho, dropping us into the psycho planes and having the animation style shift is very impactful. So, so like it, yeah. it, it, it hits really well on a, on a presentation level. And that lets you get through maybe the weaknesses of the genre until we get to the big gut punch, you know, um, the, 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 the big trick that it plays. Yeah. Like, um, you, you know, like Mob Psycho, it's kind of like a, oh, no, it's a masterpiece where there's going to be imitators and none of them are going to quite get it. I'd be curious to hear if anybody listening knows of one like a magical girl that came after Madoka and clearly was inspired and informed by it, but isn't just rehashing it the same way other Magical Girl stuff was just rehashing Sailor Moon before it. Yeah, I'd be interested in that as well, because, like, it could like, very... Like, where do you go from here? It could very easily go down the uh, path of, of straight-up parody. Like, that wouldn't be yeah. too hard, but it wouldn't be anything particularly novel. Mm-hmm. Uh, I, I don't know how you would do this in a way... I, I can't think of an easy example of something in Japanese animation specifically that kind of does this trick. It, it is yeah. it is kind of just this. I can think of a number of corollaries in Western animation, uh, as I had already stated, but like, I don't know. This is a uh, magical girl anime is something that I'm not intimately familiar with. I only kind of have a passing familiarity. So I, there definitely could be diamonds in the rough that we're missing. Yeah, and I, I think back to, you know, it's been several years now since I watched the the show that made me uh, aware of this, uh, Yuki Yuna is a Hero. And I remember thinking back to the plot of that one and, and the places it goes and the darkness that it, it, it affects and starting watching Madoka and thinking like, it either, either it's got to be darker, in which case Yuki Yuna is just a pale imitation or it has to be less dark, in which case it's not as interesting watching it in retrospect. Mm. And thankfully, it was like way weirder than I thought it would be. But it, it was a little touch and go in the middle bit. And I, I think I didn't give it a fair shot f- during that section for that reason. Yuki Yuna is a hero sounds like an isekai to me. So I, I never really gave it a second thought. It's it's just it's the, it's exactly Madoka, but flatter characters and cell phones. Can I also say this uh, just because. I think it's interesting to like discuss the subgenre. The magical girl subgenre seems to not have had that many twists and turns over the ages. Whereas Isekai yeah. has had such a fast boomlet and and subsequent dissection to its roots that like I kind of wonder if you could even do the 30 year span on a subgenre transformation sequence that we are currently looking at. Anymore. Yeah, they they evolve at different rates, like an octopus versus a trilobite. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> I, I knew you'd get where I was going. <laughs> yeah, it's it's just such a you know the, the this is the, this is the, the trilobite of anime. The narrowness of the confines of what a genre is, right? Like, definitely, definitely. Shonen is just hero's journey, but it's Japanese. Whereas Magical Girl is like it's it's uh, it's a very it's a more niche offshoot. It's more niche, but it's not it. You know, it, it just took time to get used to the idea that we were selling media to girls. Uh, same thing yeah. as in in the West. True. Yeah, yeah. there's a, it, it lags. It lags. Yeah. 
Zane, do I you want have to see where it goes from here. Do you have anything else to say about uh, Madoka Magica? I never got an answer for what Puella means. Uh, isn't it that French cooking technique? Oh, that's that's uh, that's paella, and that's uh, <laughs> Spanish. Dif- different thing that I was referring to. Uh, I have one question before we log off. Uh, and uh, you know, not to, not to out ourselves as anything, but I'm gonna need a yes or no. Is the mom hot? Well, she has a she has a very serious drinking problem. That's not what I asked. <laughs> <laughs> the reason that's a difficult question to answer because is because she must necessarily be okay to bear children in the like legal sense because she has two teenage daughters, so she's got to be somewhere in like her early forties, and yet. <laughs> She looks 14. I thought it was really cute in the first episode where like, you know, she says I love you and gives a kiss to her young boy and her husband, but does like a high five with That's Monica. That's super cute, like, yeah. Oh, they're Girl cool. Power. It's, it's like subtly drawing you in. And just the ramp over the course of 12 episodes to Monica has transcended reality is like yeah, it's a, a weird jolt. <laughs> I really like that they start off uh, their day by both like kind of dressing up in the bathroom like that, that just like mm-hmm. huge that's something you don't get constantly in magical rural anime is is the community aspect of it her putting on her makeup with her mom her turning into a magical girl with her friend like there's there's yeah i i struggle to think of like i mean sailor moon they had the sailor scouts but they were kind of more individual then they were backup dancers they were more backup dancers this is kind of like we're sharing the space together they even talk about how like prettifying themselves or, or something like they, they have very bechtel test failing uh conversations <laughs> but but it's still sweet it's still like a sweet community yeah we're girls trying to you know prep ourselves for the day kind of thing yeah, and um, I don't think I mentioned it, but uh, that that scene if is uh, emblematic. This show finds a ton of opportunities to do like really interesting shots and really interesting direction um, and camera movements. Where like when they're putting on makeup, it zooms in on a makeup case, and the each like item is numbered in the order that you would put it on. Yeah, like a and makeup tutorial. Case, yeah, and then the case, like, closes, and then we look in the mirror, and then we, like, it. it's very focused on people and specific, like, baubles, like, in the way that soul gems uh, uh, become very important later, and very unimportant on, like, where we are. <laughs> like, I, I also like the notion that, like, she's at the age where she has to start learning about the proper use of makeup, both, you know, practically and societally. Sure. So, so to yeah, have that yeah, hyper-focus is very useful to kind of put us... Where is her developmental state at the moment? Yeah, very good. Yeah, but on the whole, just um, direction and and shot choice, um, very good. It's it's always hard yeah. to describe it in a podcast medium, but just like it's it's Definitely. extremely dynamic and worth like f- paying attention to. They're doing a lot of interesting things. It, I, I totally agree, and I wish that I didn't have such a huge speed bump in my uh, enjoyment of this. The thing <laughs> that you, the things that you have been saying, have all been cracking on a hundred percent. So like. Uh, pleasantly surprised at the depth of this show or the deftness with which it delivers its subgenre message. Um, I may come back to it and we may end up doing like kind of a retrospective after I finish it and if I have any further thoughts, but uh, I'm, I'm okay to close up shop for now. 
Yeah, yeah, sure. Um, and and uh, the way that you described like speed bump right at the surface of this show reminded me of like the mental thing where a food will taste worse if somebody's painted it blue. Really? Um, just like you can't get past that. Yeah. Whenever I was thinking about tasting these young girls, uh, like there was nope. a, like a blue filter. <laughs> what? Moving on. Problem. <laughs> No, yeah, I, I didn't realize that that was a thing. It, it makes some sense, though. Like, there's very mm-hmm. little in nature that's blue. Yeah. Don't at me. Uh, yeah, that's uh, Madoka Magica. It is. It's, uh, it's great. It, it's surprisingly good. Um, I just didn't. I just didn't have the the stomach yeah, for it. No need to apologize. Nope. It's, I I still think that it's good on uh, intellectual level. Uh, Zane, what's going on next time? Ben, we are entering into. Uh, what I like to call a suite of children's cartoons. Uh, we're we're trying to knock out some of these, um, mm-hmm. and we've 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 left ourselves a lot of work. So let's let's hit the various decades and see what they have for very young kids. And we're going to start off with Muzzy. Welcome to the Muzzone. Mother Mazzone, Nick's going to join us. Uh, mm-hmm. Bree, the, the schedule's not working, but uh, yeah, he's uh, he's French or something. That should go well. Yeah, I, I'm looking forward to it, not backward to it. Because we definitely didn't already record it by the time this came out. Kayfabe, kayfabe. <laughs> and then after that... <laughs> and then what's going on after that? After that, we are going to check out uh, Thomas the Tank Engine. I understand that there's, I think, a few different versions of this. We're going to look and find which one's the like darkest and creepiest. Okay. Probably also looking just... for the German translation on that. Yeah. Uh, I just want to say, we picked out Thomas the Tank Engine before... John Oliver had a segment on it, like literally last week. Oh, I, I am not familiar. John Oliver is is someone I also don't have uh, patience for his style. He's kind of like the comedian equivalent of Moe, if you think about yeah. it. Yeah, or like a sentient train. <laughs> yeah, one of the other. no. I'm just saying. I, I I recognize that John Oliver has good comedy, and I just don't. I just don't have it in me to enjoy. Uh huh. That, that's what I mean. Yeah, by yeah. Saying. The aesthetic tax. Yeah, it doesn't map map onto me very well. But cool. Uh, yeah. yeah, looking forward to Maz- to getting into the Mazone and then pulling out of the Thomas the Tank Engine station. Mm-hmm. And where to? Who knows? But if you want to come along for that ride, go to fancybat.com slash cartoncast where you can leave a message on our contact page. Uh, ask us to review certain shows in this our final year. Uh, or uh, tell us something about Muzzy or Thomas the Tank Engine. You can go to Apple Podcasts and... Uh, leave a rating or review it really helps us out and it validates our existence and more than anything else uh please tell your friends about the show do you think it's possible that women actually have a very one-dimensional life and they're just lying to us yes full stop <laughs> uh-oh <laughs> no subtlety there in 30 years uh-oh. we'll come out with, with a show that discusses more subtlety on that position but right now <laughs> Nope. I couldn't think of something to end Liars on. Liars and tramps, that. and that's what we're dealing with. <laughs> oh, no. All they do is eat hot chip and lie. <laughs>